passages sixty six through seventy of reflections on the formation and distribution of wealth by anne robert jacques turgot translated by nicholas de condorcet this librivox recording is in the public domain sixty six fourth employment of capitals in advances for enterprises of commerce necessity of the interposition of merchants properly so called between the producers of the commodities and the consumers the undertakers either in cultivation or manufacture draw their advances and profits only from the sale of the fruits of the earth or the commodities fabricated it is always the wants and the ability of the consumer that sets the price on the sale but the consumer does not want the produce prepared or fitted up at the moment of the crop or the perfection of the work however the undertakers want their stocks immediately and regularly reimbursed to embark in fresh enterprises the manuring and the seed ought to succeed the crops without interruption the workmen of a manufacture are unceasingly to be employed in beginning other works in proportion as the first are distributed and to replace the materials in proportion as they are consumed it would not be advisable to stop short in an enterprise once put in execution nor is it to be presumed that it can be begun again at any time it is then the strictest interest of the undertaker to have his capital quickly reimbursed by the sale of his crop or commodities on the other hand it is the consumer's interest to find when and where he wishes it the things he stands in need of it would be extremely inconvenient for him to be necessitated to make at the time of the crop his provision for the whole course of a year among the objects of usual consumption there are many that require long and expensive labors labors that cannot be undertaken with profit except on a large quantity of materials and on such as the consumption of a small number of inhabitants of a limited district may not be sufficient for even the sale of the work of a single manufactory undertakings of this kind must then necessarily be in a reduced number at a considerable distance from each other and consequently very distant from the habitations of the greater number of consumers there is no man not so oppressed under the extremest misery that is not in a situation to consume several things which are neither gathered nor fabricated except in places considerably distant from him and not less distant from each other a person that could not procure himself the objects of his consumption but in buying it directly from the hand of him that gathers or works it would be either unprovided with many commodities or pass his life in wandering after them this double interest which the person producing and the consumer have the former to find a purchaser the other to find where to purchase and yet not to waste useful time in expecting a purchaser or in finding a seller has given the idea to a third person to stand between the one and the other and it is the object of the mercantile profession who purchase goods from the hands of the person who produces them to store them in warehouses whither the consumer comes to make his purchase by these means the undertaker assured of the sale and the reacquisition of his funds looks undisturbed and indefatigably out for new productions and the consumer finds within his reach and at once the objects of which he is in want 
67. Different orders of merchants. They all are alike employed in purchasing to sell again, and their traffic is supported by advances which are to revert with a profit to be engaged in new enterprises. From the green woman who exposes her ware in a market, to the merchants of Nantes or Cadiz, who traffic even to India and America, the profession of a trader, or what is properly called commerce, divides into an infinity of branches, and it may be said of degrees. One trader confines himself to provide one or several species of commodities which he sells in his shop to those who choose. Another goes with certain commodities to a place where they are in demand, to bring from thence in exchange such things as are produced there, and are wanted in the place from whence he departed. One makes his exchanges in his own neighborhood, and by himself, another by means of correspondence, and by the interposition of carriers whom he pays, employs, and sends from one province to another, from one kingdom to another, from Europe to Asia, and from Asia back to Europe. One sells his merchandise by retail to those who use them. Another only sells in large parcels at a time to other traders who retail them out to the consumers. But all have this in common, that they buy to sell again, and that their first purchases are advances which are returned to them only in course of time. They ought to be returned to them like those of the cultivators and manufacturers not only within a certain time to be employed again in new purchases, but also, one, with an equal revenue to what they could acquire with their capital without any labor, two, with the value of their labor, of their risk, and of their industry. Without being assured of this return, and of these indispensable profits, no trader would enter into business, nor could any one possibly continue therein. Tis in this view he governs himself in his purchases, on a calculation he makes of the quantity and the price of the things which he can hope to dispose of in a certain time. The retailer learns from experience, by the success of limited trials made with precaution, what is nearly the wants of those consumers who deal with him. The merchant learns from his correspondence of the plenty or scarcity and of the price of merchandise in those different countries to which his commerce extends. He directs his speculations accordingly. He sends his goods from the country where they bear a low price to those where they are sold dearer, including the expense of transportation and the calculation of the advances he ought to be reimbursed. Since trade is necessary, and it is impossible to undertake any commerce without advances proportionable to its extent, we here see another method of employing personal property, a new use that the possessor of a parcel of commodities reserved and accumulated, of a sum of money, in a word, of a capital, may make of it to procure himself subsistence, and to augment his riches. 68. The true idea of the circulation of money. We see by what has been just now said, how the cultivation of lands, manufactures of all kinds, and all the branches of trade depend on a mass of capital, or the accumulation of personal property, which, having been at first advanced by the undertakers in each of these different branches, ought to return to them again every year with a regular profit, that is the capital, to be again invested. 
and advanced in the continuation of the same enterprises and the profits employed for the greater or less subsistence of the undertakers it is this continued advance and return which constitutes what ought to be called the circulation of money this useful and fruitful circulation which animates all the labour of society which supports all the motion and is the life of the body politic and which is with great reason compared to the circulation of the blood in the human body for if by any disorder in the course of the expenses of the different orders of society the undertakers cease to draw back their advances with such profit as they have a right to expect it is evident they will be obliged to reduce their undertakings that the total of the labour of the consumption of the fruits of the earth of the productions and of the revenue would be equally diminished that poverty will succeed to riches and that the common workman ceasing to find employ will fall into the deepest misery sixty nine all extensive undertakings particularly those of manufactures and of commerce must indispensably have been very confined before the introduction of gold and silver in trade it is almost unnecessary to remark that undertakings of all kinds but especially those of manufactures and above all those of commerce must unavoidably be very confined before the introduction of gold and silver in trade since it was almost impossible to accumulate considerable capitals and yet more difficult to multiply and divide payments so much as is necessary to facilitate and increase the exchanges to that extent which a spirited commerce and circulation require the cultivation of the land only may support itself to a certain degree because the cattle are the principal cause of the advances required therein and it is very probable there is then no other adventurer in cultivation but the proprietor as to arts of all kinds they must necessarily have been in the greatest languor before the introduction of money they were confined to the coarsest works for which the proprietors supported the advances by nourishing the workmen and furnishing them with materials or they caused them to be made in their own houses by their servants seventy capitals being as necessary to all undertakings as labor and industry the industrious man shares voluntarily the profits of his enterprise with the owner of the capital who furnishes him the funds he is in need of since capitals are the indispensable foundation of all lucrative enterprises since with money we can furnish means for culture establish manufactures and raise a commerce the profits of which being accumulated and frugally laid up will become a new capital since in a word money is the principal means to beget money those who with industry and the love of labour are destitute of capital and have not sufficient for the undertaking they wish to embark in have no difficulty in resolving to give up to the proprietors of such capital or money who are willing to trust them a portion of the profits which they are in expectation of gaining over and above their advances end of passages sixty six through seventy